This is Brandon with the Variety Sports Podcast. You are listening to the seventh inning stretch. Now to your hosts, Logan Stone and Josh Edwards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the seventh inning stretch. Ooh, you blew out the mic. I love that. Oh, man, it is a packed (laughs) episode today. We don't have just two crazy cardinal fans we have four crazy cardinal fans tonight we have me logan stone your host and my normal sidekick josh edwards but then we have another josh we have joshua jacobs from the redbird rants and we also have the ceo chairman and everything special because i'm a kiss ass sorry uh <laughs> brandon how's how it going you, guys how are you doing how's everybody tired tired <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's never it's, too tired for this, though. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing being on after getting smacked by the Royals, but here we go. Let me tell you something. The Reds. Oh, <laughs> that was tough. True. Let me tell you something. If the, if if uh, Josh Jacobs had gotten on uh, after the Reds lost, or <sighs> yeah, let me tell you something. Things would be flying. <laughs> I would not be such a great gracious host. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Joshua Jacobs is here. We have the CEO. Uh, so we'll get into Josh Jacobs in a little bit, but uh, let's just do the rundown of the last week and then we can get talk about our guests and stuff. Uh, Cardinals are four and three from the week. Uh, they avoid getting swept by the Mets, split, the, uh, split a series with the D-backs, and are currently in the middle of the uh, Royal Series where they just lost their game, whatever. Uh, I'm not really happy about the D-backs uh, series. However, Mad Bum has a 1.17 ERA on the season, and Kelly has a 1.27 ERA mm. and a 209 FIP. Uh, D-backs are 11 and 13 on the season. They are still a bad team, but they are better than uh, they are a better team than what they get credit for. Uh, Edwards, let's talk. Uh, let's ask. What do you think? Sorry. About the D-back series? About anything in the last week. We can talk oh. about tonight's game for a minute. Um, I'm super happy with Matt. <coughs> like, he's still throwing the ball well, so that just proves that first outing was – I'm going back to the blister. The first outing was the blister. He's pitched fairly well ever since. Um, Wayno has me a little bit concerned. A little bit. Um, not a whole lot. So I'm interested to see how he bounces back. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of issues with our pitching right now, to be honest. I mean, tonight was obviously not a good night for the bullpen, but the bullpen's been pitching fairly well. Mm. The bats scare me. I mean, I don't know what the heck's going on with our offense. Um, we can't hit the broadside of a barn right now. Um, I think it might be a change time to make a change in the managerial staff. Already, I know it's early in the season. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that later. So, um, you know, it's early in the season. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping they're just working out the kinks. You know, maybe Mr. Positivity on, on the show. Uh, I think we're still going to get to it. I, th- I think we're going to be okay, but I, I have my concerns. I have my worries, and um, DeYoung's got to go. <laughs> wow, 
you're foreshadowing all the topics tonight. Um, <laughs> Brandon or Jay, uh, not Jay. Brandon, what do you think? This past week, um, obviously the, off- the offense hasn't been there. Um, and you need that to to win ball games in general. Unless you know, you're not going to win too many ball games one nothing. I know. <laughs> It's been a typical thing for the Cardinals to win those kind of tight ball games, but when you're not scoring at all and you're putting up goose eggs multiple times in a week, um, it doesn't look very good. Mm. So uh, the, the D-back series, it should have been either it, – it should have been a sweep or at least three games to one. The series against the Mets was, to me, at least – kind of positive note on the side because they were competitive with the Mets and they did, I mean, they did beat them. What was it? One twice. So I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of like trying to ride the wave with uh, what's going on with the, with the team right now. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Jacobs. Yeah. Brandon, I'm with you on the Mets series. That was encouraging. Mm -hmm. I mean, we really should have won the first game. Uh, they really yes. blew it in the ninth inning, and then uh, you you could have had a series win there with a the game three ten five win. But man, the rest of the week, high variance in offense. You have games where you're scoring eight, six, seven runs, and then you have games where you're scoring zero or one or two runs. So yeah. the variance in the offense is concerning as usual. Starting pitching got a little bit better this week, which is nice. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I mean, when you come into a, ser- a week, when you play the D backs and the Royals, you can't win only four of seven, you got to get five or six of those. So tough week, but uh, I'm a hopeless optimist with these guys and I believe we'll bounce back, but just not a great week for Cardinals all around. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially with the week it, that was, I think there were what, three and four in the le- the week before. Um, yeah. they've scored. 29 runs in the last week, um, 10 against the, in the last game against the Mets, and then uh, I think eight against the D-backs in the first game. Um, it's, it's yeah, the offense is just dead. And I think I have a theory as to why they are. Um, mm. But it, I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, former Cardinal John Jay retired last week. He spent six seasons with the Cardinals and was a vital part of the 2011 World, uh, World Series championship. I think people kind of forget about that, but he was the one who got it started in the 10th inning, I think it was. Um, wasn't a power hitter, but still had a 738 OPS and a 104 OPS plus in his career with the Cardinals. Uh, the biggest thing he will be remembered for is his defense. He had a 9958 fielding percentage, which is number one in all outfielders ever. Um, uh, Jacobs, what do you think about the John Jay? Yeah, when he uh, when I was looking through his career numbers for the Cardinals, like you said, 738 OPS. I was surprised his uh, on-base percentage was 354 on his career for us. Uh, I mean, he was just one of those solid Cardinal players that you 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 kind of forget about as the years go on, but just mm-hmm. was consistent, played great defense, was an on-base guy. Um, so he, he's a guy we'll miss. Yeah. Uh, other Josh, what do you think? I'm kind of in the same boat there. Uh, he was what I always thought and considered was, you know, one of those team guys, a role player there to do what needed to be done. He was kind of one of those glue guys for the team. Um, he had a really good career for what he was not being, you know, an all-star standout, you know, like a Pujols or a Yachty or somebody like that in their prime. 
but he was a really good player, solid all around, could count on him day in and day out. Uh, happy he was a Cardinal, and hopefully uh, he sticks around the team and he's a part of the organization for the years to come whenever he decides he wants to do that. Yeah. Brandon? Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Uh, I loved watching John Jay play uh, when it, whenever he was um, with the Cardinals when he was with some of the other teams that he was with. Uh, he just kind of brought that energy that you need to a team. And, you know, he just kind of gave the the shirt off his back whenever whenever he needed it. And he always seemed to come up big um, as well whenever the whenever the Cardinals Super needed clutch. him too. Super clutch. Um, yeah, John Jay, I mean, was one of my favorite Cardinals. Uh, his defense was so cool. And his batting stance, I don't know if you guys remember his batting stance, but he used to kind of just rest it yeah. on his shoulders. And then he just kind of kind of did a wind-up. Yeah. And it was so cool. And it was just, like, so nonchalant. It was, like, such a cool boy batting stance, it seemed like. It was um, very smooth, though, at the same time. I mean, I think his, my, I think my favorite – yeah, it was very smooth. But I think my favorite play that he ever made was in Houston. And I think – I want to say it was, like, 2000 – maybe it was 2011. But he – he uh, over uh, there's a fl- line drive hit right to him, and it hits the top of his glove – and he bobbles it, and he has, and he falls down, and it's just one of my favorite plays ever. I watch that at least once a year, at least. Um, it's a great play. Uh, John Jay is, he's he, yeah, he wasn't the greatest uh, offensive guy, but he was consistent at least, and he was a good uh, defender. Uh, people were complaining that he was so slow that he had to make those great catches. <laughs> he still made the great catches. I mean. I mean, it doesn't matter if you had to slide in or whatever. He still made the great catches. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's all he, I've got. Oh, yeah. The division series against the Nationals, I'm trying to remember what year it was. We had that incredible snag at the wall. I just remember the image of him right next oh, to Tony yeah. La Russa. Um, I, ah, what year would it have been? 2012 was uh, in the NLDS. Yeah. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, so, I mean, he was, he was a great defender. Hmm. He was a great, yeah. I mean, watching John Jay highlights is just, I there's nothing like it. I swear, but uh, plus he has a cool name, John Jay. I mean, come on, yeah. that's a founding father, I think too. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm not in college, anyways. But in case you didn't notice, we do have a special guest. No, it's not the CEO, silly. Uh, Joshua Jacobs, you are you're you're not so special anymore, Brandon. Sorry, that's fine. Uh, uh anyways, uh. Joshua Jacobs is a writer for the for fansided.com and is a part of the Redbird Rant section of the website. Uh, what got you into the Cardinals, Josh? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks guys for having me on. This is fun. And I'm uh, again wish we weren't coming off a tough loss tonight, but it's fun to talk Cardinals no matter what. But um growing up a Cardinal fan, um, been with the team my whole life and um, also have grown up with a passion for writing. Um, and I really care about good baseball writing and good takes and not just the clickbait articles you read and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've done a bunch of writing throughout the years, but, uh, back in, uh, October, um, I was just was like, whatever, I'm going to try and see if I can do some writing for the Cardinals and got linked up with Redbird Rants. And it's been, it's been a joy. Robert Murray is our, uh, site, site expert there. He's an MLB insider, does a great job. And, um, the, I, I'm surprised. I thought the lockout would be the hardest time to get viewership, but actually our viewership is way up. And now that the season started, it's down. But um, 
it's been a fun time. I love writing about the Cardinals. Um, it's been there's just so much to talk about these days, and we're going to get oh, into yeah. a lot of it for the podcast. But um, so yeah, um, have a deep love for the Cardinals. Skip Schumacher is my favorite Cardinal of all time, so having him back on the coaching staff this year has been amazing. Um, You're going to have to expand on that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't I was know like, what <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I was a second baseman growing up, and mm. so having Skip transition from outfield to play second base and just his like kind of like john jay that consistent yeah. hitter mm-hmm. uh, good defender just a cardinal through and through i loved it so he's obviously not the best cardinal ever but no. you just for some reason loved him spoke to you yeah uh i can't because i played second baseman uh second base in high school and i can't remember who who my guy was i want to say i can't even remember but yeah that's had that's really, Scott Spezio, uh, right <laughs> oh, gosh, <laughs> David Eckstein? Oh no, not David. It wasn't even a Cardinal, I don't think, because uh, back then I don't think Wong was Gold Glover yet. I mm. think he was he was a mediocre second baseman. But that, anyways, that's a that's a different story. Um, so yeah, so I found you because uh, I I didn't even pay attention to Redbird rants. I was like, well, they're going to be biased against. Uh, for the Cardinals, because you know it's a Cardinal page, they're gonna try to appease the fans. And I look, I look, and I see this tagline that says three er- three early red flags for the Cardinals article. And so I was like, okay, I'll read this. And then, um, and I was like shocked that someone was actually saying um, something that I agreed with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is sounds bad but you know i i got really into it and so i texted you and i was like dude come on and uh yeah. you said yes thank god otherwise I'd be a creepy stalker and be like i'm never <laughs> i'm never leaving you alone um but uh i want to ask what kind of backlash do you get on these uh cardinal articles or do oh. you get any oh goodness i i think it's impossible to write or put any opinions out there these days without getting backlash on things so first couple articles I put out, I had pretty thin skin about it and was reading them and getting frustrated. Now I don't. Um, it's just, it's the reality of writing. Some people are in agree with you. Some people won't. Some people read two lines of your article, say you missed something. If they read five lines below, you would have gotten it. Yeah. Um, so you just kind of go with the spot. Um, I, do, I will admit though, there um, I love our website. I think our website does a great job, but in general, it's really easy to find bad takes out there. So I get why fans get frustrated by articles and stuff, but um, mm. I think most, I think people um, don't always realize how much effort people put into this stuff and they really do. It's not like we, if we're writing about this, we care about it. And so um, anyways, I just, I like putting this stuff out there. Yeah. There's some critiques or bad feedback sometimes, but it's just kind of, you just kind of roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the article at the top. It said you have the option to tweet Joshua, and I was like, "That, that doesn't seem smart at all." <laughs> <laughs> no one's tweeted at me yet, but people do like to comment. Oh god, it's coming now. Get ready. Yeah, it's coming. I know uh, it will. I we did something. So we we shared. I shared our power rankings kind of late last night, and uh, some guy from from San Francisco. Uh, Josh Edwards saw this already, but he's like, uh, <laughs> how can you rank the Giants at number one when they're a triple A ball club who just lost a series? I don't even know who the series was to. It's like, okay, but they're still one of the better teams in baseball right now, even if they don't have some of the higher powered names. It's like, exactly. just, just, you got, just come on now. Like, 
Well, in our defense, our power rankings came out like on Sunday and we had made them on Thursday, I think. Yeah. And uh, so a lot had changed over the weekend. Like when we wrote it or when we made it, uh, Giants were like the best team in baseball. And then the Mets took over. And um, anyways, but uh, yeah. Um, Does anybody else have any questions for uh, Josh Ewa at the moment? I do. Okay. What's your thoughts on bringing pools back? Ooh. I was a big advocate throughout the offseason just because of his splits against left-handed pitching. I will say, out of all the things the Cardinals needed this offseason, the lineup already mashes left-handed pitching. So for him to be the biggest bat addition was not necessarily a huge deal. Um, we really could have used a left-handed bat for that DH spot that's not named Corey Dickerson. Um, <laughs> but it's it's nostalgic to have him back. Like, I went to opening day. It was my first time going to opening day. And just to have him and Yachty and Wainwright there, it was incredible. And he's played he's played well so far. So um, I think it's a good deal. Um, it is a little um, worrisome future-wise to, like, obviously, Yepes got called up today, but you're blocking him a little bit. You're potentially blocking Nolan Gorman a little bit. So those are some cons to it. But so far, so good. Uh, by the way, Brandon, uh, the Giants just lost, just got swept by the Nationals. No, they didn't. Mm. They lost two to the Nationals. Yeah, that's uh, not good, though. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. They're starting uh, to look like that AAA club. Oh, gosh. Yeah, maybe Edwards is right. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, okay, let's uh, – so, yeah, let's get into your article because, I mean, this is – I mean, this is why you're here. I mean, no yeah. offense. I mean, I think you're a fun guy, but, <laughs> I mean, this is the this is the meat and the potatoes. Um, yeah. So you're talking about red flags. Uh, number one was the Cardinals have been beating themselves – uh, you said that if the Cardinals are serious about a deep playoff run, nice. Uh, manager Ali Marmol has to find a way to get his club playing sound baseball in big moments. Uh, was there anything in particular that you were thinking of uh, or were you trying to warn him not to do what Schilt did or didn't do? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. And I think first going to <laughs> Ali Marmol, he's shown – so far, uh, so far, I've been so impressed with him this year. Um, even you just listened to his interviews. Um, so I'll get into one of the red flags later, but obviously him leaving in Michaelis a little bit too long this week. He was mm. the first to admit that Miles pitched great, and it was his fault that he left him in. Mom um, Rawls has been pretty active um, in press conferences calling out players or holding them to higher accountability in a way that Schilt never really did. So I think I'm, I'm confident in Marmol's managing skills. Um, but in general, the team over the last few years has, and you can go to any team and think of blunders they've had late in games, but you go back to the game on the 25th, the first game in the Mets series where uh, Nolan had an error in the ninth inning, which was weird. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have Gallegos not cover the bag, um, which obviously the game would have been over. Take Cardinals, Cardinals, little Cardinals take first game of that series. Instead, it blows up. They lose the series. Um so there's that, and then you have on the 30th, um, scores zero runs in the game, and then Marmol leaves Miles in for the eighth inning, ends up giving up two home runs. It's just weird mental errors where you know you, you know you shouldn't be managing that way or your players shouldn't be playing that way, and you're giving games away. Um, 
And so one game here and there is not a huge deal, but you already have two of those in a week stretch. Um, you can continuously do that throughout the year, and you could you could drop seven, eight, nine, ten games that you should be winning, and that can easily make the difference in a wild card spot, division race. And then if you're making those same mistakes playoff time, teams like the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets, they're going to take advantage of that. So Cardinals need to be worried about that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Do you um, think that's just the inexperience of Marmol being the head man on the bench? That's that's or... exactly what I was thinking, Josh. Mm. I think of, I think a bit of that because I mean you have a guy like Miles dealing into the eighth inning. Um, it wasn't the worst move to leave him in, but like Marmol said, he was already at ninety pitches, and you have a bullpen that's been elite all year, so you turn to it. Um, but yeah, I think as Mar- as the season goes on, uh, I'm sure Marmol's feeling out the bullpen right now. He's feeling out the rotation. He's feeling out the lineup. So if it's mid July or August and he's making these mistakes, then it should be a it should not it's not an early red flag anymore. It's a it's a legit red flag at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something to at least note this early on. But it's something you should expect from a club that's a feeling out the roster and b that has a brand new manager. Yeah, it's just trying to it's it's growing pains is what it is, and it, it'll yeah. it'll work itself out. It's just going to take a little bit longer and cards. Some Cardinals fans just aren't um, in patient enough for it for it right now. Sure. So. Logan, <laughs> what? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Nothing, buddy. Um, I love you. <laughs> but Josh, I, both Josh, I, I kind of I'm I'm with you with the whole with Marmol not having like still being a new manager and trying to understand. Obviously, understands the game because if not, he wouldn't be the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. But trying to figure out you know uh where where things just need to be placed and how and how and and there's just a lot and you know having to coach against some of the you know very experienced managers in the game too that have been there and been doing it for years um it's it's hard it's, yeah. it's hard to, to to climb that that mountain and be consistent and have a, that consistent team every week totally yeah and especially if you just have the team that's in front of you with some weak links in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's definitely a hard job to do. Um, uh, let's see. Red flag number two. Uh, this is the part that caught my eye. Uh, Cause I had, I had been saying the same thing for three freaking years and you <laughs> said the same thing I did. And it was like, Oh my God. When someone actually is saying it. Uh, yeah. You said the Cardinals rank bottom five and, uh, what is it? Barrels per, uh, percentage. I don't yes. even know how to say it. So I went ahead. I mean, obviously this isn't um, reflective of the game tonight, but numbers probably get even worse based on the performance tonight, but they're tied with the Mets for last in MLB and hard hit percentage. They're 27th in baseball and average exit velocity, 26th in sweet spot percentage. They're 27th in balls hit over 95 miles per hour, which are obviously hard hit rates. Um, but some encouraging signs, they are first in launch angle um, and they're 14th in batted ball events. So they're not as, as much as like a DeYoung and O'Neill are striking out right now as a team. They're putting the ball in play a decent amount. Um, but yeah, a lot of these advanced metrics for the lineup are bottom five in the league right now. Um, and there's there's two ways you can look at it. Last half full is that <coughs> if Arenado, I mean, not Arenado, if Tyler, if Goldie, if Dylan, if they start hitting, these numbers go up through the roof. This mm. team becomes an elite offense. 
the other way you can look at it is that over the last few years, they haven't ranked very high in these categories. Um, these guys are off to slow starts. O'Neal specifically, I would be worried about, and a little bit Dylan. Um, I think it'd be really weird if Goldie didn't bounce back. Um, yeah. But yeah, if this if this team is going to rank like this throughout the year, uh, it's going to be hard to win ball games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I almost cried right now because you started using common sense and stats. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a stat guy. Um, Josh, Josh hates it whenever I bring up stats. Oh, I don't Dude. hate it. You just talk about some of the stuff I'm not fluent in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it just because my mind's running right now when we think about like X velocity, do you think they're just trying to, instead of trying to hit the ball hard, you think they're just trying to place the ball where they, where they want it to be? I mean, that would make sense if the numbers like, like your exit velocity and stuff aren't as high as you want, want it to be. Yeah, especially, I mean, you look at guys like Dylan Carlson right now is definitely pressing at the plate. Um, Goldschmidt over the last few games has gotten it together a little bit, but earlier in the week and last week he was pressing a lot. Um, Tyler obviously hasn't really hit for much power. He's been hitting the ball up the middle when he's been getting hits um, or to the other way, which is it's good that he's getting on base when he can, but obviously he's not getting a lot of hard hits either. Um, but it is interesting though, this whole, uh, baseball controversy right now with, uh, how the, like the actual baseball right now and what mm-hmm. MLB has done to it. It's interesting. Um, I saw some stuff the other night where, um, I can't remember which game it was this week, but Tyler hit that pretty much all Bush stadium stood up thinking he went deep and the ball died at the warning track later that night. Giancarlo hit a big bomb in Yankee stadium, whole stadium stood up mm. announcers are like it's gone. It falls at the warning track. So there's stuff like that. Yeah, which is it's interesting to see. Like, I don't know if this is affecting some of our guys right now, especially we can get into Jeff Albert later. But if he's preaching hit fly balls, hit balls up in the air, and the balls are a little more dead right now, it's going to affect your hitting. Right. Well, Um, it happened to to Dickerson the other night, too. Yeah. Looked like it was going to be a home run, and it fell right at the – well, it was a fly out at the warning track. Exactly. And, like, Bader just hit his first home run of the year. Goldie has two on the year. It's just weird how much power is down right now with the Cardinals and across the league. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't even paid attention to power across the league. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, goalie, I'm not really surprised by because he's notorious for having an, a bad April. Yeah. Um, last year, uh, not the year before that, but the beginning of 2019. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it is definitely weird and all that. Uh I can get into the offense in a little bit. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get too angry right now. Um, number three was inconsistent starting pitching. Uh, you kind of alluded to it in the article, but the Cardinals' rotation doesn't look half bad right now. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of feels like the rotation isn't sustainable throughout the season. Um, yeah. It's. Do you? I mean, is that a correct assessment of what you? your art uh, that part was or am I completely missing it no that's great uh, especially back when the article was published back uh, it was about six days ago now um, they ranked bottom 10 in baseball in both innings pitched and opponents batting average um, so line lineups against our starting rotation were getting on base um, they were knocking our starters out early uh, they averaged as a starting uh, rotation four and two-thirds inning a start which is terrible like if you're if you're not even getting through the fifth inning on a consistent basis, uh, you're putting a lot of stress on your bullpen. And thankfully, the bullpen's been great so far. 
Um, but over the last week, the starter ERA is now eighth ranked in baseball, which is great. Um, it went from a bottom 10 in the opponent's, opponent's batting average to now middle of the pack, 15th. Um, and the innings pitch is on the way up right now. I think they ranked 18th when they ranked like 27th earlier in the week. So they're they're on the trend up. But, I mean, you look at a start like today from Hudson, which wasn't bad, but wasn't elite either. Um, you've had some good starts from Wainwright, some bad starts. Mostly good from Miles, but you had an implosion at one point. Um, Jordan Hicks really hasn't been amazing as an opener. Um, and Matt's has been hit or miss. So um, I, the current rotation, especially if they can get Jack Flaherty back, should be a pretty good rotation. Uh, but you do worry about injuries, as usual, with this team. Uh, not a lot of depth there. And if they're going to consistently get knocked out of games early, you wonder how much this bullpen can continue to perform at a high level. Yeah. Yeah, they're – yeah, they are – yeah, they uh, – I was telling Josh Edwards the other day, I said, uh seems like these guys are just not uh, pitching deep, and that's hurting – it seems like it's going to hurt us, and we were talking about that. And, yeah, it's – it it definitely seems like it's about – the bottom's about to drop, it seems, and – that's not good for us. And that's, it's going to hurt a lot more. Yeah. Um, but Edwards, do you have anything to add on that? I mean, you guys basically covered, it. I'm just kind of enjoying listening to you guys. <laughs> chit chat. Um, no, I mean, so I think Matt's has done what I've expected him to do so far outside of the first start. Um, completely agree about the whole innings not going as deep as they need to in the games, but that yeah, that's looking better. Uh, Wainwright right now is my scariest point in the starting pitching, to be honest with you, because I expected a little bit more out of him, even with his age and all the miles he has on that sh- arm and the shoulder and everything. But <clears throat> he's Wayno, so I like to think of him as a superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really hoping that he pulls it together and even though he doesn't have the velocity he used to have that uh control and the variety of pitches that he has in his arsenal he uses to his advantage now i do have a quick question how much longer do you think that the uh jordan hicks experiment is going to last and do you think what do you think the potential upside is with hicks and if flaherty comes back do you think hicks should be back in the bullpen yeah um it's I personally don't love the Jordan Hicks experiment as an opener. Um, I got it. Um, I, I I don't know if there's a lot of better options right now. Woodford, aside from tonight, he wasn't terrible, but he's been pretty good so far. So I kind of wonder why he's not maybe getting innings there. Um, Hicks has had good stuff. And for the most part, it feels like he's pitched well, but then he, he, he's been giving up about two runs going through three innings, which isn't terrible, but it's not great either. Um, and I trust him more in one-inning spots than these three-inning stretches. Um, I do think when Jack comes back, Jordan should go back to the bullpen, and I think that's his long-term space. That's what his stuff is best for, and I don't really see why we would want to stretch him out five to six innings. I don't think he can handle that. I don't think his arm has the um, capacity to go that long into a game. Um, I also I'm interested to see if Libertor can continue to produce at AAA, because if so, he would be a good option. Um, or maybe there's a trade for like a Frankie Montas or someone at some point. There you go. Um, that's what I was hoping you were going to say. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's a deadline move if they do anything. I doubt Mozilla pulls the trigger on anything like that anytime soon. Um, but maybe Juan Yepes comes up, plays well. They send him back down. Oakland gets um, 
can't see and wants to move Montas, maybe you package a, a Yepes and another prospect or a couple of Montas is going to cost a little bit. Um, but I think there's a potential deal there and he seems like a guy that would be a great fit for this club. Um, but I think in, between now and till mid July, I'm sure that Hicks is probably our option unless uh, Flaherty's back or they're confident in Libertor. Do you guys see um, Helsley starting a game? I saw the other day he did like eight pinning, eight innings without giving up a run. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that stat. Helsley? Helsley, yeah. I don't remember him pitching eight innings. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Um, hmm. uh, so is there a fourth red flag that you've seen in the last week? Um Maybe something that you were afraid to bring up and get crucified for. <laughs> get crucified with us now. Uh, honestly, I got crucified for not putting this in there, and mainly because I was looking at team trends and I wasn't looking at individual performances. But obviously, the biggest red flag <laughs> on the ball club right now is Paul DeYoung. Um, Boom. And so mm. that's uh, it. Or actually, it's not just Paul. Mundo Sosa has been garbage so far, too. Um, so the shortstop position as a whole has been a red flag. Um, and if uh, you take Mosellock and Marmolsk's comments seriously, it doesn't seem like Edmonds can be moving off the second base anytime soon. And so it makes me wonder where on earth they're going to find a shortstop replacement if it's not going to be in the form of Tommy Edmond moving over there. So that's a pretty big, big red flag to me. And I would say that's more of a red flag about what the front office is doing about shortstop less about Paul DeYoung because I don't know about you guys. I didn't have high expectations for him coming into this year. So no, to me, I don't think anybody all, did. Yeah. So to me, it wasn't even a huge red flag. It was something I kind of expected. So the red flag to me is that they're still not pulling the trigger. Um, I did see Marmol or not Marmol. Mosaic made some comments that if the shortstop position, specifically DeYoung doesn't start producing soon, uh, they'll have to make a change. Yeah. But I don't know if that, I really, I think the best course of action is to move Tommy Edmond over there and call up Nolan Gorman, um, but we'll see if that happens. Uh, you and I are on the same page. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and start uh, talking about Dion because, <clears throat> yeah, you uh, like you said, uh, well, Marmol made some comments too. Um, if I can pull it up, there it is, um, and he basically said, um, let's see, he. That moving Edmund over to shortstop to replace DeYoung while Gorman plays second is a risk, and you have uh, you have to assess what you are losing um, defensively and offensively. That's basically what he said, I think. Mm. Um, and um, I think it's full. He's full of shit. Um, sorry, uh, that's it. It's so stupid. Uh, what you're losing is DeYoung's shit bat. Uh, Sure, Edmund uh, may may take a hit on defense, but what are you gaining? What you're gaining is so much more. There's no excuse in the world that makes sense why Gorm, as to why Gorman is not in the Cardinals uniform right now. None. Zero, zilch, nada, nothing. The only reason the Cardinals don't want to bring Gorman up is twofold, I think. I think one, uh, one reason is they're currently trying to sell DeYoung but don't want to pay all of his contract. And if you, uh, they bench him, then they would have to eat all of his contract. Um, I think it just devalues him even more. Um, two, 
they don't want to be embarrassed that the fans were right. DeYoung is not the player we uh, were promised back in 2017. Mm. He is not there mentally, and is it is screwing the team. Gorman is too good for the minors right now, and he can help the Cardinals right now. Um, it's just – it doesn't seem like rocket science, yet it, it just – people – it just – no one seems to see it in the Cardinals organization, or maybe they see it, but they just can't. I, they can't bring themselves to uh, fix it. I um, think they see it, like they see the the issue. They know that there's an issue there, but the biggest thing is 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 his content, the contract. Yeah, I mean, they, you just you now you're just sitting there. He's not going to get traded more than likely, and if he's going to get traded, you're not going to get anybody for him. So you're going to be stuck with a player with a contract unless some team is willing to to just kind of like, I don't know, bite the bait at it and just and give the young a chance. Then I also think at the same time, if the Cardinals trade him and he ends up being like a star player for that other team, the, the, the organization up top is going to feel like they lost one at the mm. same time. Sure. I- I think if there's anything, and I'll get to you, Edwards and Jacobs, uh, in a second. I think if there's, like, if Paul DeYoung does get traded to another team or goes to another team, however, um, and he does well, I think everyone in the front office and everyone in the fan base would know it. it's not like the Cardinals just dropped him for be- something better because there was a new shiny toy in the um, right next to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hey, he he got a change of scenery, which actually helped some guy. Yeah, it, it, and, uh, and it just the mental weight that it like must be is like just lifted <laughs> off of you. And you, if he does well, then good for him. But I think it's better for everyone if he gets traded away, 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 away from me. And the Cardinals, just somewhere. <laughs> go to Alaska, maybe. Um, <laughs> Edwards, what do you think? So I get what you guys are saying, and, and I'm not even going to say that you're wrong, but because you, you know I'm somebody who wants DeYoung gone or something done with him at this point. Um, I agree with that. He needs a new uh, scenery. Maybe he can get a restart, a refresh. Maybe he can be the player we were promised for somebody else. Um. But I think he has some value in the trade market. And, and, and can you and define Logan, some some? Yes, I, I can. And this goes back to something you talk about all the time that the Cardinals do wrong. We pay too many guys for their defense and not enough for their bats. I love you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> now, now you can hate me the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> the, the dude is playing phenomenal defense right now. Now, I understand that Marmol thinks moving Edmund over to shortstop and getting rid of DeYoung, <coughs> doing something with DeYoung where he's not on the field every day starting, is we're going to risk something. Now, my question is, and um, Josh, I'd like you to answer this somewhere in your answer, is Edmund's arm really that bad that he can't get the ball from short to first base? I don't think it is because I don't think he'd be playing in the MLB if his arm was that bad. It may not be as strong as DeYoung's, which I understand, but he's obviously talented enough. He's a gold glover. There's, and this is going to sound maybe a little bit naive or dumb, 
shortstop and second base playing those two positions. Yeah, they're different, but they're very, very similar. He should be able to transfer over and we shouldn't lose that much in the middle of the infield and bringing Gorman up to second. If he can hit the way he's been hitting in the minors, granted he's striking out 35% of the time right now. And that's going to go up against pitchers in the MLB. Mm-hmm. So let's say 50% of the time he strikes out. Are we really going to lose that much? Or is that going to be an even trade-off to get a little bit more offensive production and maybe take a little bit of risk there at second base. Um, that's something that I I still think DeYoung's got trade value, especially to one of these teams that are struggling that really need defense, um, i.e. Uh, the Phillies need defense. Now, we're not going to get D.D. Gregorius. I know that. Um, but Atlanta is in a – not Atlanta, excuse me. I apologize. Um, Oakland sells everybody anyways. So why not ship them over there so they have some kind of defense? They don't care about offense because they're not trying to win. They're trying to tank their season out. But there's got to be a team out there who needs a defensive shortstop who's got something. I don't care if it's prospects. As I was corrected the other day because I said something about trading for picks and I forgot the MLB, you can't trade for picks. So correction on my end. And thank you, Logan, for reminding me of that. I don't care what we got trading for cheap prospects, good prospects, just get him out of the lineup, ship him off somewhere. Let's bring somebody else up and give somebody a chance. Because like we said, we do have Albert up, we have Dickerson and we might be blocking some of our young prospects from making their way up to the, the to the show and, and making progress and seeing what they have. So like I said, I, I believe there is value in DeYoung. I just don't think it's offensive value. I think it's defensive value. I don't think the shift of Edmund to short is going to hurt. Um, but there, there, something's got to be done. We cannot let this season go to waste because of a $6 million or $6.5 million contract. we got to work with somebody to get him off the payroll. If that means eating half of his salary for the year, um, we we got to make a change. And and we can't wait till July to do it. $6 million this year and $9 million next year. Mm. With club options for 24 or yeah 24 and 25 well he ain't getting the club option yeah that's for sure <laughs> i don't know if there are buyouts for that i don't think there are but, that's uh, a big pay jump too three mil mm-hmm. yeah for, for no offensive production that's a huge pay jump yeah um but yeah uh jacobs you can answer that question if you'd like yeah um so a couple a uh, lot there. Um, Sorry. First, I, no, no, it's great. Um, I, I agree. I think there could be a market for Paul Dion out there. Um, I think it's scraps at best, though. It's going to be low tier prospects um, or more of a, sa- a salary dump here because um, a te- what a team is really banking on is they're paying for an overpriced defensive shortstop who may be able to hit for power again, but maybe not. Um, his OPS right now is 472 and has a slug of 241, which is awful. Um, and his strikeout rate is in the, I think, 45, 46%. So um, definitely we're selling low right now. So um, whether it's a DFA situation, which I doubt that happens, or it's a trade, um, looks like that. I also could see and would make a lot of sense to me if they want to continue to see if they can uh, recuperate the cost here would be to trade or send down Edmundo Sosa, move Paul Dion to a bench role, and then have uh, bring up Gorman at that point. Um, so as far as fixing the shortstop situation, though, um, for Tommy Edmund to play shortstop, I agree. I don't think um, – it'd be a stretch to think he'd be a good club <coughs> shortstop. I think that would be asking a lot out of him. 
Um, but to say that he wouldn't be a top tier shortstop at de- defensively, or at least a well above average shortstop, um, I think just the plays he makes a second all the time shows he has the versatility. Um, and you think back to all the times he's played right and center field and made plays out there. Um, he's shown the ability to play multiple positions at high levels. Um, as far as far as Nolan Gorman goes, obviously his strikeout rate's really high right now. It's probably the main thing holding him back. Um, but I, it does make me think of, like, you look at our own division, uh, the Cubs calling up Chris Bryant when he was tearing up AAA um, but had an extremely high t- strikeout rate, went on to win the MVP um, within two years of being in the majors. Uh, Kyle Schwarber was very similar to that. There's multiple top prospects that come up that have a high K rate and bring it down a little bit over the years in the majors. So I'm not terribly concerned about that, especially when you have a guy who has 12 home runs, I believe, already in AAA this year. Um, I just don't know how you leave that power down there. Um, I don't know Joey if we're going to get the yeah. Joey Gallo. Yeah, exactly. Is, he gets he strikes out all the time and has a terrible batting average, but he's got incredible OPS and OPS plus numbers. Um, yeah. But what were you saying? Oh, and I, I was with Gallo specifically. I, I was looking into that recently because some people tried to make the comparison that Nolan Gorman is a Joey Gallo type. I, even, which I, saw I, would, that. I saw that today too. I, yeah. I think it's interesting, but I even looking at Joey Gallo's numbers, he was hitting 240 in AAA. He had a high strikeout rate. Nolan Gorman's hitting well over 300. I think, my, my personal opinion, I see um, Nolan Gorman's potential as a souped-up Brandon Lau or like a Max Muncy type. Um, not a uh, Joey Gallo type, but that's also best case scenario for him. Um, But anyways, um, I I think it's Nolan Gorman time. I think most people believe that. Um, I think I'm hoping that Marmol and Mosaic are posturing right now and saying they don't want to move Tommy, but really they're planning on it. Um, But it remains to be seen. I do think there's some interesting short-term options out there for the Cardinals if they want to make a trade. Um, but it would be difficult this early in the season since a lot of teams are trying to contend. Um, but it seems like internal options might be the best route here. A lot, there's, of, a lot of teams are like, trying to contend. Sorry, Brandon. No, you're fine. So there's absolutely 0% chance the Cardinals try to go after Robinson, Robinson Cano, correct? Like, oh, hell no. Oh, no. yeah, it no shouldn't way. happen, right? Okay. I, I no don't way. think he, I don't think I haven't looked at Cano's numbers, but I don't think he would be that much better than. Uh, no. what the young is well yeah. okay that's a lie that he may be better uh, a little bit better but uh yeah someone... i just hope they wouldn't they wouldn't do something like that too like you know, we're just gonna fix this for now and hope it works i would uh, I, I don't think so i was thinking last night i was like thank god cano was never a cardinal otherwise we'd be yeah. getting people saying oh you gotta bring cano back it's the <laughs> right thing to do oh my gosh but uh yeah that's uh, someone was trying to uh, make an argument for Nick Ahmed being traded to the Cardinals, and he's got—I mean, he's got terrible numbers too, like a 64 OPS plus, I think it was. And I was like, "Gosh, no, 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 please!" Yeah, but, like this is the one of the only times where I agree that we could solve the problem internally. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if later we're going to talk about guys we want to see on the Cardinals, but if we are, I'll save it. If not, I do have an interesting shortstop option. I think could potentially come down the road for us if it's a, if it's the guy i i want uh listen we are gonna bond like none other if um, you want to talk about it we will not end not, this episode it is we're, not a big name at all so we'll see we're, we're gonna end it uh on that so yeah save it for now Perfect. um let's see okay let's get into my topic my baby 
that I've been uh, talking about for, oh man, it seems forever. Um, what, robot umps? No, it's not. It's, <laughs> no, he it's actually not wants a umps. runner on second and third to start extra yes. innings. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they are joking, people. I'm, I'm, I don't want someone on second and third in extra innings. Please stop. Uh, <laughs> and you got to get uh, four outs, too. Yeah, four outs. (laughs) Um, Paying too many people for their defense and not their offense. Uh, Edwards alluded to it earlier, but I wanted to see if uh, you would listen to this and see if I'm correct or if I'm just an idiot. And if I'm an idiot, I'm going to cry. Molina doesn't have any offense anymore. Uh, That's pretty expected. Uh, Last couple of years, it doesn't matter if he had a zero uh, batting average. He was the starter, uh, and he's a great def- or he was a great defender. Uh, Bader had a comeback year last season. O'Neill had a huge year last season, but uh, Cardinals' most glaring problem right now, uh, they are not. Uh, oh wait, that's what it was. I had my notes mixed up. Uh, let's see. So O'Neill had a huge year last year, but uh, was a hindrance before too. Uh, DeYoung, obviously, we just mentioned. Edmund wasn't a good offensive player last year, but uh, made up for it with uh, his defense. This year, uh, we have Molina, O'Neal, Bader, DeYoung playing terrible offense. Uh, Yet the Cardinals seem perfectly content with their team. O'Neal and Bader had good years last year, but that might be an outlier. Um, Before last year, O'Neal struck out a bunch and wasn't really hitting. Um, I can't remember his offensive numbers back in 2019 but um i think it wasn't good uh but, but uh young has been on a skid since two th- uh 2020 molina isn't going to produce offensively that is given um edmund is doing well right now but what if he uh falls off the rails like last year kind of uh this team relies way too heavily on uh on defense in my opinion and thinks that will help them in the playoffs. Well, the truth is, is that uh, the Cardinals aren't going to be in the playoffs if they can't win games because they have no offense. You can't go out and say, oh, well, we have Arenado, Goldie, Pujols, and Carlson, which will help the offense, uh, which will help the offense. Sorry, but that's not how it works. Relying on four batters to win the games for you isn't a winning strategy. Having over half your offense being inconsistent is not good. Um, Cardinals in 2019 uh, ranked uh, 23rd in batting average, 15th in on-base, 23rd in slugging, 21st in OPS, 2021, 13th in batting average, 19th in on-base, 13th in slugging, and 15th in OPS. 2022, ranks, uh, they're currently ranked 16th in batting average, 17th in on-base, 19th in slugging, and 19th in uh, OPS. And I'll, I'll get to you guys in a second. Listen, let me just finish my rant here the the stupid thing is is that they have five guys a year at minimum who are just not good offensively and guys like Edmund and Molina make up for it because they play such great defense um like we said but I mean it's just bad and these stats are telling us the problems the problem is that they are not doing well offensively, and pitchers and uh, pitchers on other teams see that. They say, yeah, we're going to have a problem with 
Goldie and Arenado, but we can just pitch around those guys and the other guys will uh, get out. And we are seeing that exact same thing with these teams we're facing, like the Diamondbacks. This is a huge problem, and Cardinals fans like to stick their heads in the stand and act like uh, the, defen- the defense is so good that it'll balance out. But that's not how baseball works. It sounds pretty obvious to say it, but you have to actually score in order to win games. Hmm. People don't seem to get that uh, at all. And, it, and it, it's the way uh, – sorry, it almost got a – it's just it's, – it's a problem, and it needs to be fixed. Um, it's the most glaring problem, and uh, they're not going to win until they fix that problem. Um, who wants to talk about that? Sorry if it uh, made zero to no sense at the end, but I I okay. So I I get the whole thing. Like I see a hundred percent your point. I feel like this is just the way the Cardinals organization has been for mm, a little while now. Is that they want that twenty nineteen high standard defense, and that the defense is going it, that they're hoping the defense wins them games because all they need is three or four runs to win the ball game. Yeah. Um, except for the only times I can think that this hasn't been the case was like 0506 and maybe 2010, 2011. But other than that, if you look at the Cardinals as a team, they've never really been like a big offensive powerhouse. Like not that, you know, they're not the Dodgers. They're not going to, you know, blow you, blow you away with runs and then, the defense be kind of like, you know, mediocre. They're, you know, the Cardinals have always had that very strong defensive side of baseball with, the, with at least to me, I, from what I've saw over the years, that yeah. they have very strong defenses and very mediocre offenses that rely on their defense to win baseball games when you can't necessarily always rely on defense to win baseball games. It's not like football. It's not like hockey. It's yeah. It's, it's completely different. That's you just, just my, took take, it out of my, my take on it. That was the exact same thing I was going to say. Defense yeah. wins championships in football, and defense is enormous to help the goalies in hockey. This is baseball. This is balanced teams are great to have, but you got to be able to hit the ball and. Poof, produce runs. Now, the one thing the Cardinals are doing this year that I am having a blast watching is when they're on base, they are running like it's the 80s. Yep. Well, as best as I can see. I mean, I was born in 88, so <laughs> I mean, I only get to hear the stories and watch the reruns of certain games when they're on MLB, but I mean, they are a blast to watch on the base path, but man, if they can't get on the bases, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why, I mean, we, there's got to be changes made. Um, I mean, I love defensive baseball. I love watching all the diving catches in the outfield and climbing the walls to take away home runs. But, golly, I would like to see some more balls getting batted around the field. Um, people love home runs. Yeah, people love home <laughs> runs, and, and we love it when we see our pitchers striking guys out. Yeah. <laughs> It's right now. It's frustrating to be a Cardinals fan because we all had high hopes for this year because of you know the uh, reunion tour and hoping to see everything happen. And it just looks like the the organization is not doing what they need to do to 
to send the boys out on a on a high final note. Mm. And I'm scared we're gonna all end up super disappointed at the end of the year. I think we all like being competitive, but I would much rather lose in the you know the NL pennant series mm. than you know get bounced in the wild card game. Mm. Yeah. So I most I, I I agree and disagree with you guys on this. Um partially because so you look at you look at the roster construction right now and you look at who the best defenders on the team are, you would put Nolan Arenado up there, you would put mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt up there, you would probably put Tyler O'Neill up there and Tommy Edmond. Now obviously Tyler's gone off to a very slow start and it's concerning. Um Goldie we all expect to bounce back, but then you have Nolan Arenado who is our best best offensive player by far. Mm-hmm. Um, and is one of the best in the league. Tommy Edmonds had a bounce back season so far. Um, Dylan Carlson has the potential, and most people expect to become a high level hitter um, in the majors. Um, Bader, the last two seasons, has put together above average offensive seasons. So I would say the core of this team is our two way players that are supposed to be hitting. Um, they just aren't at the moment for some of them, um, and playing great defense. Now, where I totally agree and is the frustrating part of this team is the two biggest weaknesses catcher and shortstop. Um, Obviously, they overpaid Molina again, brought him back for a last year. Um, I kind of get it. You can't real. I don't really know how they would have not done that move with him wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at the shortstop position again too, and you're paying Paul Dion six, eight million dollars to play awful, to be awful at the plate and provide good defense. Um, so I would say the frustrating part is that the fringe players are also defensive or our defensive guys rather than liabilities in the field and players at the plate. Um, you would like to see them spend that extra money on the side to bring in a bat like a Nelson Cruz or to bring in a bat like a Jock Peterson rather than mm-hmm. um, spending it on defense. Um, but I do think it's important to remember that three of the top prospects coming up right now, Juan Yepes, Nolan Gorman, and then eventually the next two to three years, Jordan Walker are elite bats. And so you're looking at an influx of hitting coming in soon at the corner infield or corner outfield positions as well as DH. And so I partially think the team is probably being aware of, okay, you have, you do have Goldschmidt coming towards the end. So one of them will probably end up replacing him, but then one of those guys will probably slot in at DH and the other one will probably fill that second base hole in in Nolan Gorman at some point. So I do think there are some immediate options soon-ish, as in like midsummer for Nolan Gorman and Yepes may be here soon and then Walker in a few years. Um, but I think it, it is really frustrating to watch this team start off another great defensive year. Um, one of uh, Someone cited the stealing bases right now. They're tops in the league with 22 stolen bases, which is so fun to watch. And if they can get on base more, they'll be stealing more, taking extra bases, getting uh, stretching singles into doubles, scoring from first. Um, even Albert Pujols can score from first base now. Um, (laughs) so the speedster himself. So I, I do think the team does prioritize defense too much, but I would say for the most part, most of the guys, um, are, are actually good hitters at the plate. They're just not putting in the numbers, especially this year that we're looking for. Um, now if it's mid June or early July and Tyler O'Neill is still struggling, that's going to be a big red flag because obviously outside of last year, he's been, he struggled at the major league level. Um, Todd Miedman has been streaky. He's had stretches where he's good, stretches where he's horrible. Um, Dylan Carlson still hasn't found his footing at the major league level yet. So there is a worst case scenario here where in a few months you're looking at a team where you've only got three reliable hitters. 
But again, I'm confident that the team starts turning it around here soon. Um, and even if it's only Nolan, Goldie, and Tyler, or Nolan, Goldie, and Dylan that you can rely on, it's a pretty strong middle of the order that as long as one or two other guys are producing on a day, you should be able to put up some runs. But I, again, I feel like this this offense does has the potential to be a top five offense in the NL. But any given week, it can also be the bottom five offense in the NL, which is really frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm big on potential and I like seeing potential. But there's a point where potential doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. And and potential has to pay off. And if, if if we're just looking at potential, then we have to have something in the immediate future that's going to help us bridge the gap till that potential is ready to fully blossom and take off. And that's where I don't feel like the organization has set themselves up well enough for this run of what we're going through. And I, it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. It, it It is. But at the same time, you, you look at as, as you look at the Cardinals, you know, they haven't had to do the big rebuild like some of these teams have and that they're, they're struggling with even now. Um, so I think that's one thing we, we should be at least grateful for is that they have developed a great mm. farm system to produce at least competitive teams um, every year. And they might not be World Series winning teams, but they're competitive teams to a point where, you know, we're, you're not sitting in the bottom of the MLB seller year after year after year after year. I think if that happened, I think the world would just fall apart. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say a true, t- a true test, honestly, that I think would be interesting is uh, with Yepes coming up right now. Um, and Muno Sosa comes off the um, COVID-19 list when he does. If the team is willing to send down a Dickerson, send down an Mundo Sosa, or send down a DeYoung, or get rid of a DeYoung, and keep Yepes, um, it would put the team in a bind where um, they don't have great defensive options off the bench for the outfield anymore or the middle infield, one of the two. Um, but you're prioritizing offense. So that's something I would like to see the team do, especially if Yepes shows that his bat's going to translate is to sacrifice a little bit of defense to have another bat option. Um, and again, with Nolan Gorman coming up, I think that'd be great. Um, but I, I also would like to see, and I think Marmol has done this, Kisner play more because um, obvi- his bat's been above average for a catcher so far. So I do think things can change if you have Kisner playing at least half as, or at least splitting time with Yachty half and half, um, and then you get Beyond's bat out of the lineup. Mm. That's what I was going to ask you is, uh, do you, like at the beginning of the season, we were talking about um, Yachty doing uh, 100 games and Kisner doing 60, but with the way Kisner has been playing, I mean, without including tonight, he's been doing really well. Um, And so I was wondering if you still think, uh, like, I think think Yachty's probably going to do like 70 now. Maybe maybe not that low, but at least eighty. Um, but is what range were you thinking? Uh, if you asked me before the season, I would have said at least a hundred games for Yachty too. But I've been so I've again been so impressed with how Marmol has actually been giving playing time to Kisner. I think as especially as a first year manager, it'd be really easy to roll over and play Yachty every single day mm-hmm. unless he wants out. Yeah, um, but he's playing the hot hands. He's changed the lineup a ton. Like Dylan batted ninth today after he started the season leading off. He was willing to move Edmund back to the top of the lineup. Um, he experimented with Vader at the top of the lineup. He's he's done some different things. 
Um, so I, I think there's a scenario here where Kisner's playing 70, 80, 90 games. Um, I, I would think it's a stretch that he does play 90 to 100 because Yachty's presence there. I, I just do think he gets the innings still. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to see if Yepes becomes the everyday guy against DH uh, <coughs> against right-handed pitching. Um, that would be a huge blessing to the lineup, I think. Uh, if DeYoung can get bounced out of there. Because, uh, I mean, you, it's realistically, by the end of June, you could see a lineup where uh, against right-handed pitching, you have Juan Yepes at DH. Tommy moved over to shortstop and Nolan Gorman at second base. Mm. And you, that is already transforming the lineup right there. Um, so I do think there could be major changes coming soon. It just, are they willing to make those? Right. Yeah. You make those uh, changes. It could, it could, you know, light a fire and everybody else too. And next thing you know, yes. you, you are, you know, playing at, at a very high offensive level just because you have that excitement and that, um, you know, just, just the build of, oh, God, you know, this guy's here. So now I have to, like, match what he's doing and what he's putting exactly. out. So, But, yeah, think about that lineup. Uh, just adding Gorman, taking DeYoung away, and then adding Yepes instead of Dickerson. I mean, that changes the lineup. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, a good deal. A good deal. Um, that's – it's it's kind of amazing, but – and Gorman not playing right now is a sin against humanity. And it's wrong. <laughs> it's just, it's wrong. There's, there's no excuse for that crap. Um, whatever. Uh, okay. So Josh, here it is. It's time. It's time for our fight. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Round one. Before. Uh, before yeah, go you, ahead. Before you start this. Unfortunately, I think I'm gonna have to hop off. I do have to work in the morning. It's fun school, and I have to deal with kids all the time. Um, at the end of the year, um, God maybe, bless you. Sir. Maybe, maybe this eventually will get to where I only have to worry about doing this kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but right now, it's not. So I appreciate um, you guys having me on tonight, um, Josh. At least Jacobs. I, you know, super glad we were able to get you on. I'm glad Logan was able to get you here tonight. It was uh, it was fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Of course. Yeah, yeah, we let Brandon on. Psh, on <laughs> show. Uh, see you, Brandon. So yeah, have a good night, fellas. Yeah. See ya. Take care, buddy. It's too bad he had to bail out before the fight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, okay, so Josh and I almost got into an argument tonight about the offense and their problems, and I think it's a. Uh, it's, I think it's my I think uh, or my thing is with the players as I just said and Josh think it's thinks it's Jeff Albert so I'm gonna let you go Josh then I'm gonna let other Josh go and then I'm gonna go so Josh go ahead all right so here we go so my thought here is <clears throat> yes I do think the players have something to do with it because they are the ones on the field they are playing the game so I'll give you that all right, right off the bat, I'll concede that point. The point I'm, I, I, I've come to accept this season is that Jeff Albert's been our hitting coach since, what, 19 or 20? 19, I think. 19, yeah. okay. And how bad have our batting stats been since he's became the hitting coach? Uh, 19, well, I mean, bad. Yeah, it's, yes, it's, it's been, been bad. bad. And and the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Well, we do have high-quality players. We have players who have done it in the past. We have guys that get 
a little streaky here and there. Why would we not make a change with the hitting coach and see if a different voice makes a difference? This happens in hockey all the time. Coaches' voices get lost in in the scheme of everything, and, and good teams fall apart because they don't hear the message anymore. Well, darn it. These guys are not picking up what Jeff's laying down, and I'm not saying Jeff's a bad coach or he's a bad guy, but the message obviously isn't being received. Players are not hitting the ball well. We're not executing. We're Things are just not working out. It's time to make a change with the with the coaching staff. We can't get rid of everybody on the team who plays, but we can make the change of, of, of a different hitting coach. And maybe just that different voice makes a big enough difference to where we start seeing some more offensive production. Heck, at this point, I'd be happy enough if they went in and said, hey, Mark, come on back, fly your butt to back here to St. Louis and help get our team in the shape at the plate. And I think you guys know who I'm re- referring to, Mark McGuire. Um, hell, at this point, I know Pools is out there trying to help the guys hit better. I, I mean, I'm frustrated with the hitting. It's you know, usually you're Logan, you're the guy who's kind of rah rah, you get angry real quick. I'm now starting to get frustrated, and I'm the optimist on the show. Um, but the, the, like I said, the players are the ones playing the game, they're the ones taking the at bats, they're the ones swinging or not swinging when they need to be. Something needs to change, and the easiest change to make right now is the hitting coach. And I know Marmol probably doesn't want to make a bunch of changes with the staffing and everything, but good Lord, let's make a change. Let's see what happens before we get too deep down in this season where we can't make the playoffs because realistically, the NL West is probably going to get three spots. The NL East is going to get two, and the Central is just going to get the, the division winner. And we cannot afford to be down – 10 or 11 games behind Milwaukee come the end of May and try to battle back out of that. Their pitching is too good. Their offense isn't that good, but their pitching is that good where we may get into a hole and we can't dig ourselves out and we miss the playoffs when we shouldn't miss the playoffs. Mm. Josh? So my short answer, if Jeff Albert's the problem is no, but my long answer is maybe. (laughs) And so part of the reason I say no is Jeff Albert's approach for analytics-based hitting, especially if his philosophy and emphasis on fly balls over ground balls and some of the metrics that teams like the Giants and Rays have been using are something that guys like Mike Schilt, um, Mike Matheny weren't embracing for a long time. And even with Albert's presence the last few years, it's clear that a lot of Schilt's firing actually had to do with the fact that he wasn't adopting uh, Jeff Albert's hitting uh, philosophy. So I actually think it's a little bit, it's in a weird spot where although he's been around the last few years, um, it feels like this year, which obviously track record this year so far, not great. Um, but this year is really the first year Jeff Albert's been unleashed to do his own thing. Um, you look at some players though, like last year, Tyler O'Neill broke out and he, he and other players clearly cited, like there's a good interview with Adam Wainwright towards the end of last season where he talked about um, Tyler changing his approach based on some conversations with Jeff Albert. And that's when um, he started hit mashing the ball. Um, Dylan Carlson had a pretty good rookie year or full rookie season. Um, Harrison Bader's improved as a hitter. Tommy Evans off to a great start this year. Um, Goldschmidt obviously struggled so far, but has adopted and has been interested in some of Jeff Albert's changes. 
Um, and then you look at the minor leagues where a lot of Albert's philosophies have actually taken more roots. And you look at guys like Gorman, Walker, Yepes are killing the ball. Um, you also have guys like Mason Wynn, who's been off to a great start. And there's someone else uh, that's tied with Gorman right now in the minor he's leagues. He's a double A player. Yeah, who's um, mashing the ball. Yeah, he's killing it. And so, like, obviously you can't credit all that to Jeff Albert, but his influence has seeped through the organization. Um now, what I would say is I agree with his philosophy and I agree with the changes he's trying to make. Where I think Josh might be right on this is maybe he's not the right voice to enact those changes. And so I personally am not panicking yet because I do look at, again, I, I, I think two super below average bats in a lineup can drag one down, especially mm. when you have some streaky hitters. And he can't control we're playing Yadier Molina and Paul Dion all the time. He also couldn't control uh, the decline of a Matt Carpenter or a Dexter Fowler over the last few years or some guys like that. And so I think if you could get those two guys out of the lineup more, or at least Dion out of the lineup more, um, or even replace Dickerson some and get guys like Yepes or Gorman in there, uh, I, again, am confident this lineup becomes at least uh, one of the more, one of the better uh, lineups in the NL. Um, I also just saw this stat come through that um, the Cardinals rank are second to last only just in front of the Reds against right-handed pitching and OPS so far this year, um, which actually I think it, it comes back to another roster construction thing. You have Albert who mashes against lefties, Nolan mashes against lefties, Goldie mashes against lefties, Dylan mashes against lefties, Tommy mashes against lefties. We have a bunch of guys that can crush left-handed pitching but aren't as good from the right-handed side. So again, this team needs to be more well-balanced than it is. Um, I could see us firing Jeff Albert and someone else comes in and some of those problems start to fade away. Um, but I personally think it more has to do with roster construction, inconsistency, and then just a slow start to the season than it does just out Jeff Albert. But I'm also not pinning my flag and saying Jeff Albert's the answer either. Um, mm -hmm. I just think his philosophy and what he's trying to do is right. Um, but it is interesting to think that maybe there's a different voice to be the one to champion that. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, Josh. Ha <laughs> um, My Yeah, my thing is Jeff Albert isn't the one swinging the bat. He isn't playing the game. He had really good success with Ast the Astros, I think, um, even though he left after one year. Um, but, yeah, just – I I mean, Jeff Albert, yeah, the offense is doing bad, but the offense hasn't been good since in a while. I mean, even before – Albert took the reins in 19, 18. They were not good offensively, um, 17. And that's also because they were just a sucky team. Um, but I mean, I think, I think the problems are just deeper than Jeff Albert. And I think if, if Arenado and Goldie came, came to St. Louis and they were, just not hitting the ball at all, then then I would say, yes, this is Jeff Albert's fault because these guys are proven. Um, thing with, yeah, and thing with, like, uh, uh, who do I want to talk about? Edmund, or not Edmund. Yeah, Edmund, Bader, and O'Neal. They, they have never really proven themselves. I mean, like, like I said, last year, O'Neal had a huge year, a great year, but before that he was not doing well. Um, so you could say, you could uh, say O'Neal's success was um, 
uh, who was it? Uh, it was contributed to Jeff Albert. And you could say uh, Bader's success in 2020 and 2021 was attributed to Jeff Albert too. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I think, and it's really hard to tell if a good, if a guy is good, uh, if a manager is good like that, uh, I think, I think it's hard to quantify because there's not really any stats that support it. Um, maybe there is, and I'm just not thinking of it right now. But that's my argument. Well, it looks like I lose that fight. <laughs> I I don't totally disagree with you though, Josh. I just think oh. I'm I'm oh. I like I said. I think I'm just willing to give Jeff Halbert the benefit of the doubt from the standpoint of now that we know that there was a disagreement, a strong disagreement between him and Mike Schilt. I struggle to know how much of an influence he was actually able to have since 2019. Um, and so, and especially again, Marmol has shown great signs that he's a great manager so far, in my opinion. And so I'm interested to see as the season goes on, if some of these things can go through, if not though, and it's September, again, I, I don't want to throw away another season, but if it's July and these things are happening, then it's like, yeah, Cardinal fans are right. Our team was not ready for the season. Jeff Albert was an issue. All these things were right. Um, I'm just, again, Moselock has proven us time and time again, that he usually knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust in it a little bit here. Um, there are some concerns. I just, I personally believe it's more um, circumstantial to the roster construction and some guys uh, weighing down the lineup than it being a philosophical issue. See, and I would have to concede the fact that I didn't pay too much attention after Schilt got let go, um, mm. mostly because it, it caught me off guard the way it happened. Mm. And I didn't read into it a whole lot. So I didn't, I must have missed the article about. Albert not having his Jeff Albert that is having his methods um, taken in and used to maybe the best of their oh, yeah. advantages. But I mean, if if it's not working on and with the big boy club, you know, and he's having all the success with the minors, push him back down to the minors for a little bit and let him keep developing players. Maybe he's better at developing players than he is. Mm. At running the guys up in the big show. Yeah. Um, maybe. I'm not saying we need to get rid of him. Like I said, I don't necessarily think he's a bad coach. I just I don't think his message is resonating. And maybe maybe it's because he wasn't given the opportunity to express it and put it out in full force. I mean, totally. that really could be it. It's something I had not considered to be completely honest. Um, so <clears throat> I mean, like I said, I still blame the players to an extent, but you know. It's going to be hard to make a full roster change this early in the season, and I just don't want the season to go to waste. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say about Jeff Albert? But yeah, it seemed it seemed like the the you know the Cardinals front office really likes him because uh, I don't remember who was saying it, uh, but it seemed like Mike Schilt was or the Cardinals chose Jeff Albert over Mike Schilt. Yeah. Uh, last year. And that's why a lot of people thought Jeff Albert was going to be the manager um, in the off season. And it didn't pan out that way, but um, so I think the Cardinals fully believe in Jeff Albert's approach because of the analytics. And like Josh said, uh, Jacobs, he said, uh, he said the Cardinals, uh, Mike Schilt and Mike Matheny uh, didn't, 
buy into analytics. Mike Matheny, after he got fired from the Cardinals, he went uh, and started learning analytics and said, my entire view of the game has changed because of the analytics. Um, and we can get into the argument, Edwards. Uh, we can get into the argument about whether analytics analytics is good for the game or not. Um, I know that, I know that episode is coming too, but um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think, uh, think Jeff Albert is, you know, the greatest hitting coach ever. I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he is. He may actually be the greatest hitting coach ever. I don't think he's worst. Uh, I think all responsibility should go to the players um, cause they're, I mean, they're just, I mean, even if like their mechanics are just off, even just a little bit, then it's not his fault. It's just the way that their minds are at the moment. Um, but anyways, anything else on that topic? Uh, I think we covered it. No, okay. I think you won this round. Well, thanks. Ding, I, ding, I ding. Listen, I prepare for this show, Edwards. I, I want to make sure I don't get embarrassed <laughs> on this on this damn thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, I uh yeah, I had help, so thank you. We kind of gained up on him. I'm sorry, Edwards. I love you. <laughs> it's all good, man. I, I, I I'm a man. I'm a man. I can take it. If you guys know that reference. I don't remember it. I don't. Oh, it was the uh, Oklahoma State football coach a few years back. Oh. <laughs> See, I don't follow college uh, football, so. And you live in Texas. And I can't believe they Texas. haven't ran you out of the state yet. Uh, they they tried to. They've tried to multiple times. Uh, but anyways, okay, so we're towards the end of the show. Josh, I want you to tell me who is a player that is not on the Cardinals that you want more than anything. Like Christmas – uh, the baseball gods are wake you up in the middle of the night and they're like, listen, we're going to give you a player. Who is it? Oh man. So, Oh, you want this to be anyone? Not, I was, I was going realistic route here, but if you're giving me okay. anyone, let's do realistic. And then anyone okay. realistic. Okay. Again, we're looking at the shortstop position. Um, we're looking at that being the biggest hole. I, I, I think uh, obviously a catcher would be huge too with how Yachty's playing. There's no shot. We would replace him this year. But if the Mar if the Marlins fall out of the race anytime soon, or if they just play typical Marlins and want to sell off anything, I think Joey Wendell would be a great option for shortstop. Oh yeah. So you look at him; he has the capacity to play second and third base too, so offers some versatility there. Um, so far this year, slashing 300, 364, 450, so 14 OPS from the left side, which would be much needed for the club. Uh, consistent left-handed bat. Um, last year for the Rays, he slashed 365, um, 319, and 422. Um, he hit 31 doubles and 11 home runs. So he's not a huge power guy out of the park, but he does hit the gaps. Um, and I just think he'd be a he'd be a good stopgap if the team doesn't believe um, in shifting Edmund over to shortstop um, or doesn't think Gordon's ready. I think Wendell would be an interesting option. Obviously not sexy by any means, but I think he'd be uh, a pretty good option there. Now. If you gave me the the world is my oyster here, and I could pick whatever, and I, I, I'm I'm thinking through a little bit realistic realms here too. Even though it, it, it's the Cardinals, we usually don't make moves like this. Um, catcher after the season, I would love to make a run at Salvador Perez if the Royals wanted to really? sell him off. Um, I, I I it's a little tricky because he's a little older and behind the plate. Um, 
and hit this so far this year he hasn't hit very well but i mean he hit over 40 bombs from the catcher position last year thought that'd be huge um but if you're looking at shortstops here trey turner Xander bogarts man if you put one of those guys on this team right now um trey turner's a free agent after this year Xander bogarts is a free agent after next year and it looks like the red sox signed trevor story anticipating they're not going to be able to re-sign Xander bogarts um, and actually an interesting thing to look ahead towards is not this coming off season, but the next off season, there are a ton, a ton of free agents available. And it's pretty realistic. The Cardinals could pick up one or two um, considering there are just so many that there will be so many to go around and they should have budget available. Um, but yeah, well, those two positions need to overhaul. So Christmas day would be one of those guys. Um, I want to add one to this real quick. I know okay. this is off the cuff. If you could get one Cardinal player back who's still in the league, who we don't have anymore, who would it be? Oh, I know Ooh. who you're picking. Uh, I would probably go Lance Lynn off of his season mm. last year. It's good fit. Um, because he would – I mean, obviously he's hurt to start this year, but he would give a consistent arm. Uh, there are a lot of other options you could go with, but I think Lance Lynn would probably be my guy. Okay. Fair enough. Who are you picking? For all three? Uh, for the Cardinal that you would want to come back? Ooh, so this one's actually a little bit tougher for me. Um, but with the way he's playing this year, Michael Waka. Yeah. Oh, Just because yeah. we need a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I think Michael Waka is going to come back down to earth. But, yeah, right now, I mean, I would take him. Uh Joey Wendell, we talked about him last week in our underappreciated draft. We did. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, we love Joey Wendell here. Um, Trey Turner, not going to lie, I got a little teary boy? Oh, my boy. <laughs> He's going to oh, have to have boy. a cold shower and a cigarette. Can you imagine now? that beautiful slide in a Cardinal uniform? Oh. You hear him? Oh. That's him turning the shower on. Oh. Ice, oh, ice cold. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's oh, man. I, let me tell you something. I have dreams about sliding in that or having him slide in that Cardinals jersey. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I mean, realistically, the biggest weakness in the Cardinal lineup over the last few years has been leadoff. Like they just cannot yeah, find a guy leadoff. who hits there. If you could put Trey Turner at the leadoff spot, oh man. Oh God. Let me tell you something. Last year, I wanted the Cardinals to trade for him so bad. And then the Dodgers got him, and everyone was like, oh, Trey Turner is like the afterthought of the Scherzer trade. I'm like, no, he's not. Not he's my afterthought. Oh, my gosh. He's such a great player. And he's like – he was so underrated before last year, and then totally. he went to the Dodgers, and then kind of everyone kind of saw how good of a – how great of a player he is. And I was like, he's still underrated in my opinion. He's still like – no one values him enough for me, but – like I would give him and Juan Soto, I would give them like a billion dollars each. I, I like I I don't care if they're the only two players that we would be able to afford to have on the team. I want them. Um, Xander Bogarts, by the way, has an opt out after this year, so he's going to be a and he's oh, apparently yeah. going to express it. So, uh, uh, so he's going to be a free has, agent. Yeah, yeah. He basically verbally told them, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, just- yeah. Can we take a moment to appreciate how the uh, Nationals have given big contracts to guys like Corbin, Strasburg, <laughs> but have decided to let Harper walk, Trey Turner go, 
Max Scherzer mm. go, and it seems like Juan Soto is going to be the next guy at some point, unless somehow they can lock him up. I don't know how they keep managing to lose superstars, but they do. Because mm. they want to sell the team. Uh, well, yeah. Bryce Harper, I mean, they won a World Series with that. They let Anthony Rendon go, too. Yeah, true. Rendon. Oh, I mean, they were gosh. so stacked. They were. They, like, you look back at that 2019 team, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Like, they're small ball guys. That are just, oh, man, that was that's probably one of my favorite World Series that I've ever watched mm. that wasn't a Cardinals World Series. Um, Man, it's uh, – yeah, Trey Turner, I'm going to have to – Man, I, if I ever if this thing ever blows up and uh, Trey Turner is comes onto the podcast, Josh Edwards is gonna have to sit between me and him because I I might I might I might hug him. It's sitting be... between you two won't work. I'll have to put you in a different <laughs> studio room. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to tie me up to the chair and just uh, and just uh, make sure that I don't get out. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, anyways, uh, is there another topic we need to discuss tonight? Can we have you back again down the road, Josh? Oh, I'd love to, guys. This was awesome. Listen, we we have an MLB show. I don't know if you knew this, but we have an MLB show that uh, I think you would be perfect for too. That we need a we need a third man, but we'll talk okay. about that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, Josh, it was a pleasure to have you, Josh. Um, it was nice having you back again for like the Thanks, 12th man. time. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go visit uh, Joshua Jacobs's articles on Redbird Rants. They're pretty good, and he seems to know what his stuff. I mean, he he seems smarter than me at this. Uh, like, I was I was reading some of your articles earlier, and you were talking about barrel percentage, and I was texting Edwards, and I said, "Oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. He he uses the advanced analytics. I might cry." It's <laughs> I was say that I think that's what you said is you were going to cry because the yeah, advanced this, analytics. That uh, <laughs> I I love me some analytics. We can we might need to have Josh on for our analytics episode. Oh, absolutely! Hey. Like, I was I was already thinking about that. Let's yeah. do it, guys. But anyways, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, let's see what is. I always forget. I need to have it written down. Uh, live long and watch some damn baseball. Bye, guys. Adios. Adios.